Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of The Press with Tom Sherry. This one was a lot of fun. Tom is the chief meteorologist at Creme 2 here in Spokane. And of course, is a station I work for, the CBS affiliate. And he has been here for over 27 years. In my short decade working in TV news, it's crazy to think it's almost been a decade. You, you quickly realize this, and you know this as a viewer, that the, the most famous people at a TV station are typically the folks doing weather. And that's the case with Tom, and for good reason. Again, nearly 30 years here, and he is an absolute icon in Spokane. People, you know, when they find out I work for the station, people ask me all the time about what Tom's like and, and what it's like working with Tom. And it's really been a blast. You know, my, my favorite people in TV are the ones who are the same on camera as they are off camera or the same off camera as they are on. And that and that's the case with Tom. He's fun. He's energetic, loves to have a good time, uh, loves to talk and get to know people. And so, again, just my five years being around longer and getting a chance to hang out with him a little bit more and, and get to know him better and have some good conversations and, and a lot of laughs. It's really been a pleasure. Talked about how he got into TV, which I think is so interesting. I love hearing people's stories about how they got into the industry, especially people that did it, you know, maybe a, a couple few decades ago, because the path into the business is so different then than it is now. And he, he's got a really interesting one, uh, just how he worked his way up into Spokane at, at Creme 2 um, and, and how he stuck here. You know, a, a guy like Tom could have easily taken any number of opportunities and he told a story about a former boss that basically sabotaged a job interview to keep him in Spokane. And thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that. Talk sports and his heroes growing up in Southern California. So got into a lot of stuff. This is, like I said, really, really a fun conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Episode 8 of The Press with Tom Sherry. So, uh, how long have you been at Creme now? I have been at Creme Television 27 years. It'll be 28, 27 and a half. It'll be 28 next uh, December. And I started out... It's like in 90? Yeah, I started in 1990. And I started radio in 1981. So, and I did a year of working seven days a week. I was a program director at a local country station, KDRK. And... um, I was actually even at an AM station called KTRW even before that. And um, we had heard that Krem was looking for weekend weather people. And I thought, well, God, I don't have an atmospheric science degree, so I can't do it. And then I saw these other people applying at this radio station because they were looking for part-time. They weren't being choosy. You didn't have to have that. And I thought, well, my Lord, if those people are applying, I can apply. So I applied for the weekend slot, and I got it. And it was after I got it that I started doing all the meteorology training and stuff. But uh, there was a guy, a sports guy, who um, uh, the Weather Center used to be right next to where your office is. And there was a sports guy, Brian Beach, who grew up here in Spokane. He was the weekend sports guy. And they had been auditioning a lot of, like, models, like really beautiful women that, (laughs) you know, were on commercials and stuff Uh like that. And one in particular who I won't name. And... um, I got it over the model 
and he was he didn't talk to me for a month. We later became good friends, but he didn't talk to me for a month because he wanted her yeah. to get the job because he was single and Yeah, sure. You know. Isn't it funny that like that's how you found out about the job? That oh, you were just like working in right. town at a different station and heard that a TV station was applying cuz like yeah, that, and that, I knew that, I needed to that wouldn't it. happen anymore. Yeah, I guess not. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh yeah. Uh, and I knew I was getting ready to transition out of radio. I'd wanted to be a broadcaster since ninth grade. I knew I wanted to be, I really wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to be a broadcaster since ninth grade. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then once I became a broadcaster, especially radio, you know, by that time I've got a, a family coming on and, you know, I'm married and there just was zero dollars. It was just like, I didn't need a lot. Mm. I didn't need a lot, but there was zero dollars and, uh, it was unfortunate, but the station I was at, the radio station I was at at the, that time, did not really, it's kind of like it was sales-oriented in the sense that if you were on the broadcast, and this isn't true for most stations, mm. but at this one, uh, it was the feeling I got, the perception I was that if you weren't on in sales, it's because you were lazy. And if you were on the broadcast side of it, the, <laughs> you know, the announcing side of it, it's because you were... Uh, you were lazy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So there was, and I thought, oh my, so, the, and the pay reflected that. And uh, so I was really looking to kind of move on to something, you know, mainstream business type. And then uh, when this weekend thing came up, I thought, well, I'll grab that. So I worked seven days a week for a year. And by that time, I had worked myself at least into management at the radio station. So I go, okay, it could be a future there, you know, in the manager area as a program director. And uh, then the weekends came up, and by that time we just had our first child, and really my wife had to uh, kind of take care of uh, our son, you know, most of the time because I worked five days a week at the radio station, and then I did two days a week, you know, the weekends uh, at Creme, and I made seven dollars an hour. Oh my god! And I wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but they got a great deal in me because I was cheap, and I got a great deal in them because. Um, you know, because I needed the experience, and the whole idea was to get a tape together. Uh-huh. And once I did the first night of real on-air television, I said, this is it. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I just felt so much more comfortable than radio, and I loved radio. But I thought, this is exactly what I want. It's so easy. See, I would expect uh, different. Because, I mean, you're stepping in doing weather right away, right? Yeah. And... I mean, there's so much to learn, but I, I just figure radio would seem to me as an outsider, somebody who's never really done it, as looser and more comfortable and more It's very cool to... that way, especially if you're working with a group, you know, like in a morning mm-hmm. zoo type setting, yeah. you know. I get that. And yeah, that's very cool. But for some reason, it was easier for me to relate to the camera as another person rather than all of my shifts in radio were all alone in the studio. What kind of shows were you doing? A country radio. So you'd, you'd how long was how long would you my be on? shift was like five sometimes it was six hours sometimes it was five hours just you going solo just going solo you know KDRK FM ninety four nine thirty five on a Friday evening we've got more music coming up with Merle Haggard and Conway <laughs> Twitty and you know what you know I didn't say it quite like that but you know what I mean you would just do the basic elements the time temperature yeah. the call letters the artist coming up the artist that had just played and then try to do some little bit in between that and you know and then hit the commercials or hit the jingle and go into the song but when I started doing television weather on those weekends even though I stunk um, 
uh, I really knew this was it. So I was going to try to get a tape together so then I could go to a small market like Tri-Cities or, you know, Yakima or, what, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. Whoever would hire me full time. I was ready to jump. And I wasn't making that much money in radio. So I knew I could probably make that same amount in a small market in, in television. So the weekend gig here was purely a weekend gig. It was, it was just... purely a weekend gig, hourly pay. Yeah. And, um, and then um, the female... Morning person, Laura Ashley, for anybody who remembers her name. Laura, it was a big scandal. Laura quit here and went right across the street to KHQ. And that's when they were located on the South Hill and apparently had a no, had no, no compete. Hmm. You know, for people listening right now, we all have no competes. Once we leave a station, we can't work forever, I guess. No, it's not quite that bad. Six months or something Six months to a year. Mine's always been a year. But uh, she went right directly across the street, and so the boss um, did a bit of a search. But everybody in the station said, well, you should just have Tom do mornings. So he offered me the job, and that's when I was able to quit radio, and I worked in mornings um, here for about two years. And at that time, there was an incredibly great evening meteorologist, chief meteorologist, Peter Colford, for longtime viewers of Creme 2 in Spokane, and Peter was 38 years old and got colon cancer. Hmm. Horrible. Just, and was misdiagnosed in the beginning. And they thought it was irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it was just, it just goes on. Anyway, so I told them at that time, I said, anytime Peter, and he, you know, and everybody knew he was sick. We had gone public, or he had gone public hmm. with it. And when he couldn't uh, make a shift, you know, he was battling, you know, and you, everyone's pulling for him, yeah. you know. And when he couldn't make a shift, I told them, uh, just call me, I'll do a double. Yeah. And so that's what I would do. So I would work early in the morning and do the noon show, go home, and then maybe get a call sometimes at 3 or 2 in the afternoon and say, hey, Pete can't come in, uh, so come on in. So then I would work that, do the lates, get up early, do the morning show. And Which I did, is what, like a four-hour, five-hour turnaround? Yeah, but he was well, battling cancer, so I could, you know, I felt yeah. like I could do that. And I just always wanted to put myself in a position of getting as much airtime as I could. And, yeah. and then Peter finally, unfortunately, passed away. And, uh, again, they wanted to do a big search, you know, because you know how the grass is greener and managers are, <laughs> some managers are idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, so, uh, but thankfully the other people in the station, especially people on the evening show that had uh-huh. grown to like me when I did fill in, they said, you should just move Tom into that slot. And that's when I moved into this. And, uh, you know, I've probably been doing evenings for, well, I've been here 27 years, so I'm just going to kind of guess and say maybe I've been doing evenings for 23 to 24 years. Oh, do you remember what the interview was like for the weekend job? I do. Um, uh, I was nervous as heck, as you would imagine. <laughs> and I think what I did, what an idiot I am, I think I brought in, I had done a couple of TV commercials for uh, Channel 28 for Fox for like a, like a car dealership or something <laughs> and they had had me all dressed up crazy with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth like I was a you know it was one of those things like you can buy a car for this guy yeah. and, or buy a car from you know and then they had the really great guy so you're like the sleazy guy I was the guy sleazy guy the, right yeah. and I played that for him <laughs> what an idiot because I go I've been on TV you know had nothing to do with news or weather you know so but they made me come in and uh, train with Peter Colford as he was healthy at that time um, uh, just train, and then I think Peter would give the recommendation, yay or nay on me. And, uh, and he said, yeah, this guy can do it. Yeah. 
So. And from the very first show, you're like this. Is- I was from the very first show, from the very first, and my audition, which was um, on a Friday. This is what they, you know, why do they do this? It's a Friday night after the 11 o'clock show, so it's 11.30 mm-hmm. at that time, not 11.35, 11.30. And they make the production crew stay late for me to cut an audition tape. Peter Colford slid over in the anchor chair. He wanted to do a cross with me. And then I cross over to the weather wall, right? Do my weather. Then I come back and cross out with Peter. Yeah. And... That's exactly what we did, and you know everyone's grumpy, of course, because it's a Friday night. They want to leave, and they got the yeah. some Yahoo from radio, you know, <laughs> doing this thing. And I'll never forget when I came back to the cross out with Peter. Peter goes, um, so tell me, Tom, um, where exactly has the highest wind gust been recorded in the <laughs> continental United States? And um, I think it's Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Now I know this, but uh, it was. Uh, um, <laughs> I didn't, obviously, at that time, but because I'd had nine years of radio, at least I knew how to not freeze up. So I said, that's, I think I said something like, that is a great question. And I'll tell you what, I'll have the answer for you on the next show. That's, I mean, it was the best I could do. I mean, it's really the perfect, because there's no way you're going to know. Yeah, and I think he was throwing that to me to see how I would react in, you know, with something that was kind of uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And, I, and and I, since I didn't know anything about meteorology at the time, then I just made everything lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, related it to lifestyle. You know, so we were in, we were cutting this in December, so I I related it to snow skiing and hiking and you know being outside. Which you still do. Yeah, which I still do because that's most people don't really, you know, you do a little bit of the science to let yeah. people know you know it, and then it's just like you know, I mean. You want to? Hey, is it going to be good for you to go? Out? You asked you me want the to other be practical, day. Yeah, yeah. You, we've got hoop fest coming up, and you asked me the other day. Hey, is it going to be okay for basketball practice yeah. at eleven? Yeah, and that's what people are interested yeah, in investing right. in. So that's when my did, story. When did you realize that you would have to get the science background? Oh, as soon as I got education? here, as soon as I was doing a weekends, even as soon as I was doing weekends, and I heard that Laura Ashley on the morning show had found this long distance learning program from Mississippi State University because she was a uh, like a. Uh, she had won a pageant up in Alaska, hmm. so she didn't have any science background either. I mean, not that I know of anyway. So she was taking this long-distance learning program from, uh, and this was pre-internet days. Um, not so, to sound like we were, you know, drawing on a cave wall, but... But uh, how do they do it? Mississippi State University was a three-year, it is a three-year program, it is fabulous. And at that time, it was videotapes. So you would get all your videotapes through the mail, and you would take all your tests out of, proctored out of the National Weather Service. So you would just basically look at, at lectures. So I would sit in this exact same conference room that you and I are in right now uh-huh. here at Krem, and I would watch these videotapes, and it got to the point where I just my eyes would start glazing over because it was nighttime when I was... I had now gone on to the nighttime yeah. shows, you know. It started in morning, and then I went to nights. And I would glaze over, and i go, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting any of these lectures. So I actually, because I was so motivated, I would play about you know, 10 seconds of the tape and stop it and write down verbatim what he said. So I created my own notes out of these tapes because it was easier for me to learn off of my notes. Do you still have those? Uh, Yeah, probably in a box back in the Weather Center. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And And that's probably 90... Three, ninety four, ninety two, ninety three. That's when you started that, doing it, or when you. That's when I started doing them. Yeah, and, like in the early nineties. Yeah. And now, uh, almost every weathercaster that had, did not get a bachelor of science in atmospheric science at, at a university, now almost every the, the other people who did communication degrees or 
you know, whatever they decided to do, and then they fell into weather, yeah. or they were journalism majors, and then they fell into weather. Uh, they've almost all done the Mississippi State University program, which is now done over the internet, and it's a great program for operational meteorology. I've heard of a bunch of other people have done that. Did you go there at any point? Yeah, I had to go down to Starkville, Mississippi, um, for two weeks, I think it was, you just to take some tests and to present, and to, I guess to feel like you're part of the school, but you definitely had to take a test, and, and I didn't want to screw that up, so yeah. I was, uh, but I did learn, even though I'm, I mean, I'm from Southern California, so it's not really the South, but what, it's my very first time in the Deep South, and, uh-huh. and I tell you, I just had the best time, uh, and the way those ladies talk, well, you you, you did time <laughs> in, Georgia. in Georgia. Oh, man, would you like some pecan pie? <laughs> yes, I'm like, I would. Yeah, man, you say it again like that, I will. <laughs> would you like some tea, some sweet tea? And I'm like, gosh, they were so friendly and so nice. The only thing that was crazy is I went down there in sandals and shorts because it was August Uh and T-shirts and then a couple, you know, like one pair of long pants for the dress up day, you know. Well, they must air condition these offices, these (laughs) classrooms at Mississippi State down to 58 degrees. Mm -hmm. And I would just be freezing for the six hours of class time, you know, five days a week. And I remember uh, many times getting out and walking on the cement, kicking off my flip-flops and just walking in bare feet on the hot pavement. You know, it was 92 degrees and, you know, high humidity just because I wanted to warm up so quickly. But I do love, uh, never been to the Deep South, and now I really, really like it. Yeah, it's great. When did you feel like you kind of, like, had it figured out? Because, I mean, why, why do you, th- you say you were bad early on. yeah. I mean, I get everybody's. I, I mean, was good enough to get the job. Everybody kind of sucks yeah. in the start. Yeah, um, but I was good enough to get the job. You're good enough to get. But the job. I was bad. Yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah. What, when, like, how long before you think it clicked? Uh, well, I mean, really, you know, they kept promoting me, so I obviously had the goods. I mean, they kept promoting me in a very short amount of time. You know, I did a year of weekends, and then they put me on the morning show, and then when Peter passed away, within like two years of that, then they put me on the evening show. Uh, but I felt like I kind of had my act together, really had my... Well, you know what helped? I'll tell you, be, uh, really to be honest with you, I've always been surrounded by people that were better than me. Hmm. So, you know, we had Charles Rowe, Nadine Woodward, and um, those were the core. You know, we had good sports guys too, but those were the core that mm-hmm. stayed there. And I just did not want to disappoint. Hmm. So I always felt like I kind of raised my bar when I was on the set with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just because I did not. And Charles Rowe, it's interesting. I watched him in Los Angeles, California when uh, I was in high school. Really? Yes. And I now I know what it's like to hear that from somebody. It's not a compliment. Because <laughs> I sat on the set with him one time, just it was he and I. And I and I said, hey, Charles, I used to watch you when I was in high school. And, you know, and now when people say that to me, like, hey, I grew up while you came to my, you know, some guy with who's got a child mm-hmm. and he goes, hey, you came to my third grade class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a compliment. But, you know, they're trying to be good anyway. And then just to go on with that, I still try to raise the bar up because now I work with, uh, you know, Mark Hanrahan and Jane McCarthy. And it's the same thing. They're both incredibly yeah. Great, you know, and Randy Shaw was in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for many, many years. You don't want so to disappoint Randy. Shaw. I didn't want to disappoint Randy <laughs> Shaw, and I don't want to disappoint Mark, and I don't want to disappoint Jane. You know, so I really like working with people that are better than me because then it helps me raise my my bar. If that makes any sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because otherwise, I'd stink. Yeah. We. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like my generation of uh, broadcasters or whatever you want to call it, but like the idea when you go in is like. How big can I go? Like, what's the next market? What's the right. next thing? 
did you kind of have that mindset? Yeah. I mean, you said that was kind a big of deal in radio. You did, mm-hmm. um, but how how long before you realized that like this was it? Well, there are two things were going on, um, and the biggest thing was I was married and had a family, and my wife is not a gypsy. <laughs> she was born in Spokane, and. You know, I think if you would ask her now, she should have, you know, she would say, yes, I should have been more amenable to that. Mm -hmm. But she was not, you know, comfortable with picking up and moving. And so that was a big deal and and having the kids. Uh, I mean, I'm sure if I got a great offer, like I thought I was going to get hired in Sacramento for uh, at one time. But uh, and she wasn't really that pleased with that, but she wasn't going to go to L.A. because I always thought, oh, I'll go back to Los Angeles, you know, the. You know, I mean, like you wanted to go back to Philadelphia, you know, because I'm from L.A. I thought, oh, I could go back there. And she wanted wanted no part of that. (laughs) But, you know, that would have been huge, right? But this is the best place to raise a family. And my dad did say one thing um, to me when I was growing up. He said, it's better to be a small car salesman in a, uh, wait, it's better to be a big (laughs) car salesman in a small town than a small car salesman in a big town. And so, you know, this is a medium-sized market and I've been successful and it's paid me enough to raise the family and put them through school and all that. so And work with really great talent. I'm not working with schlocky talent. And I'm lucky that the talent that's come in, they've all stayed for a long time. They've chosen to make Spokane their home, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a real small market where people only come in, in for two, two years. years. Right. <clears throat> so I've had people that I've worked with for 20 years and 16 years. And, yeah. you know, that's... And I think that's important. And I think the audience really likes that as well. Yeah. But I did at one time... I will tell you a story. Can I? I we're just telling real stories do here, it, right? Do it. Uh, so I thought I was up for a gig. I, I actually had an agent at the time. You know how we all get, you know, those. And, um, you know, because it wasn't being overly paid here. Yeah. You know what I mean? They weren't, like, really sure. throwing out the love at that time. <laughs> and um, they, uh, so we had a sister station in Sacramento. And my agent said, hey, they're looking for someone. And, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I actually flew down. You know, they flew me down for an interview and a same-day interview. Flew back. When was this? Oh, gosh. I could tell you who our news director was at that time, but I'm really not sure. Levinson? No, way previous. So this is like... By the time Levinson came, I was ready to stay. So this Uh, was probably like late 90s or something like that? Yeah, I guess that's what I was. Yeah, uh, Ron Cummings was was the news director at the time. And uh, so it was probably late 90s, right. And uh, anyway, so they had the gig down there. I went down and I thought, I can do this. For mm. what they were wanting, and Sacramento felt like kind of like a big Spokane. Sure. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah, not... I don't it's know, not L.A. It's not L.A., but it is a capital city, so yeah. I loved that. And it was, you know, somewhat affordable compared to everywhere, like, you know... San Francisco. Or San Diego or L.A., so it was... And it had the mountains. I had Tahoe. I thought, I could make a life here. Yeah. And... Um, I saw the station. I thought, man, I could do this job. For what they were asking me, and they wanted real personality. Uh-huh. You know, they didn't really. They wanted a scientist, but they wanted real personality. And I was like, <laughs> I, I knew I could do this job. So I'm crunching numbers. You know, with those comparison calculators, you do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you ever run those? Uh, if you're you compare your salary that you're making in your okay, city yeah. to what the city you're going to go to. And so I was really, yeah, and all that. right. So I was running those numbers and talking to my wife. And my, Ron Cummings knew that I had gone down there, the news director. Mm-hmm. And um, because I had to tell him it was our sister station. Yeah. And he, uh, what he did was, at that time, Laura Ashley, the woman that I had replaced in the mornings, had made her way from KHQ over to KXOY radio or TV. At Channel 4, and uh, Cummings sends her tape 
down to Sacramento. Wow. Yes. So he got two things. And, and then my agent called me. She goes, well, this is weird. They just went cool on you. Apparently, they're going to hire this gal from across the street because they say she tests better with males. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, what yeah. am I going to do there, you know? I'm like, well, give me a year. I bet they'll like me, yeah. but, you know, obviously in the first, uh, you know. So anyway, he did two things. He kept me, and he got rid of talent at the other station. So Which, you know, I'm not she, mad at Ron for that. Wait, weren't you, know? you mad that he sabotaged yeah, your whatever. opportunity? It was, you know, I mean, you know. There's no way you were thrilled when you got back to the station. I just, you know, I, um, you know, it came back to bite him later. Because somebody in town also came after me at that time, which I'm not going to go into a lot on this. Yeah. But that's when it got elevated. Yeah. Is because they came after me, and um, when that happened, you know, then it was like, we're going to, you know, yeah. now we have to deal. And from that point on, you were And like, from that point on, that's when, yeah, it's it. That's right. Yeah. Unless you get rid of me, I'm not getting rid of you. Is there something... To and the kids were in school at this time, you know? You're the second chief meteorologist I've had in a row that has a radio background. Ben Jones at WMAZ in Macon, who, I mean, is like you, is beloved in town. Um, You know, hard to go to the grocery store, that sort of thing. And he had... That's not a bad thing. That's not an ego thing. That's great. People want to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And again, same kind of disposition as you, friendly and outgoing and all that. Yeah, I like people. Um, And he, I think, worked for like a classic rock station. Before nice. getting into TV, and I always I knew that that was kind of your background too. So I was curious if like is that a thing? Like I think it's great. I think transition? it really helps. Because have you heard of other people that have done that? Yes, hmm. a lot of radio people, or a lot of weather people will uh, radio people who become weather people, and then also do a radio gig on the side. Yeah. Or and for a long time, like with your friends uh, Jay and Kevin, uh, I'm probably ten plus years. I was their morning uh, weather guy. Yeah, and it was really just bits. I mean, yeah, yeah I yeah. gave the weather, but. You know, I'd be doing it in my boxer shorts, um, you know, at my house because obviously I'd get off the air late, right? Yeah. So I'd only get like about six hours of sleep. So I'd go downstairs, I'd dial in for the seven o'clock and the eight o'clock hour, I think it was. I don't uh-huh. think I did the six, or I'd record something for the six, maybe. And I remember just walking around my, you know, I'd have family visiting in the summertime <laughs> and they'd see me down there just blah, 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 just having a great time with those two, yeah. Jay and Kevin. And, um, and then, uh, and my signature line was, you know, after I gave the, uh, we BS about whatever, mm-hmm. like you and I are doing. Sure. And then after we hopefully had some laughs and jokes and entertained people, then I do a quick forecast. And then I always referred to, and uh, uh, at the uh, Creme 2 Remote Valley Weather Station, and I'd slide the deck out open, and there was a thermometer leaning against, I didn't even have an electronic, <laughs> you know, indoor, outdoor thermometer. I had just a regular yeah. Ace hardware thing against, <laughs> leaning against the post outside. And I go, and it's 63 degrees. Yeah. So it was the Creme 2 Remote Valley Weather Station. Yeah, yeah. But that was great. So that, that is fun stuff. And again, I did that for about a decade, and I loved it. But the the I mean the the radio thing translates so well to TV, especially weather because we don't have we're not scripted. Not scripted. Every, everything's ad lib. Yeah, and that served that obviously served you well when he threw you for a loop in your yes, audition. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the nine years of training on radio were excellent. Yeah, yeah, and also radio makes you have to think like. What is the viewer thinking? What is the viewer? What's important? Or what's the listener thinking? What's mm-hmm. important to the listener? What matters? And and that I use that a lot in television. And you had your voice at that point too. Yeah, I've never had a great voice, but yeah. No, but I mean not. But I mean the sense that you have your like in the sense that you're comfortable with yes. how you sound and how you right. deliver things right. and that sort of thing because 
you'd been doing that for a decade or whatever. Yeah, when well, I remember being in college and they were like, you know, the best way, the secret to success in broadcasting is just be yourself. Well, who knows how to be who they yeah. are at 19 or 22? You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't really kind of start coming into yourself until, you know, late 20s sure. and then your 30s. And you're like, man, it's like you, you're comfortable about showing your flaws. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When I think like imperfection is like an important thing in television. I too. know. And I think the audience, I think that's one of my successes is, is that everybody on TV tries to be perfect. Yeah. Or, and, and I think that, that they become unrelatable. And I think the reason the Spokane audience is liked me, or hopefully some of them, is that uh, because I don't do that. Yeah. Because I try to be, uh, I, I just, you know, they know that I'm pretty imperfect. Yeah. But well, I'm trying. Yeah, I think those are, <laughs> those are like the most memorable. That, like, right. that's the best TV. I, like, I, I thought about it very early on. Like, our, our campus TV station at Towson, where I went to school, was a complete mess. It was a wreck. And so you figure out how to, like, just mm-hmm. talk to people and weasel your way out of things and have conversation. And, like, we got three minutes to kill, so talk about something. And so right. I, I think people in school and coming up, like, they, they're they too worried about, like, making sure they know how to operate when things are mm-hmm. perfect. But And no. then when things fall apart, they don't really know what to do. Right. You're exactly right. And those are the best moments on television. Those are the best, most memorable yeah. moments. You know, I hate the fake laugh. You know, the ho, ho, ho. Yeah. You know, like where you're trying to make that happy chat banter. Yeah. yeah. And the best ones are where you genuinely cracked up yeah. uh, the other person. I have a little story to tell you about that. So this time I'm working with Nadine Woodward. And always a big fan. always wanted to impress her. Uh-huh. And, and we're pals, too, yeah. you know. And uh, I always wanted to make her smile and laugh, right? So I'm sitting next to her. I think we're on the late shows, and it's just she and I, and I'm doing my what we call a crosstalk mm-hmm. before I walk over to the weather wall. Mm-hmm. And she's smiling at me with this amused look on her face, and her eyes are all kind of glinty and lit up, and she's just smiling. And I'm thinking, man, I'm killing her with this. I've got it together. I'm doing it here. Uh-huh. And then as soon as we go full to video... You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I'm off uh-huh. camera, and it's the whatever the weather shot Graphic is of a whatever, flower yeah. or something. Yeah. She looks at me, and she points to her nose, and she goes, booger. <laughs> so I had had a booger <laughs> hanging out my nose, and the whole time I'm talking to her, thinking I'm impressing her, yeah. and I'm moving into her with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my. Feeling uh, comfortable. And... The bottom line is, you know, I'm yeah. an idiot. <laughs> But idiot makes great television. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Uh, so when did you, I mean, you mentioned, like, from ninth grade, you wanted to be a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. What What are, like, your... I was a CB radio guy. Really? Mm-hmm. What were your early memories of, like, being a viewer or just kind of being enthralled by, like, those guys, the guys on the TV, the guys in... It was, it was, it LA, was radio LA, in the, the beginning. Market? Yeah, I was listening to L.A. radio. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was AM radio, and it was uh, KRLA and KHJ... You know, that was the boss jock era. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got into ninth grade, then it had gone from that AM stuff. That was 60s stuff. And I was in ninth grade in 1974. Um, and by that time, it was the, I had gotten into, like, it was whole play whole album sides. Uh-huh. So I wanted to work at a progressive. Can you room. imagine that anymore? I know. Can you imagine somebody playing? No. Yeah. No. That's why digital has taken off, because radio has gotten... Playing like a full record. Yeah. Well, anyway, I wanted to work at a progressive rock station. I was going through that phase. Yeah. And uh, and that's what I wanted to do, you know, which, God, would have bored the heck out of me now that I think about it. But, you know, <laughs> it's like, here's another, you know, cut from Pink Floyd. 15 you know? minutes later. Yeah, right. But that's what I wanted to do. Um, 
I don't know where you were going. I forget what I was trying to say. Oh, just the the early influence, the stuff that got you interested in. Oh yeah. Job. So and then I did a lot of um, okay. Then I was on the CB radio for a while, and I re- for a long while, like all through high school, four years, and we were, had this great channel with really talented people, like that were dweebs like me, but older. Mm-hmm. They were always older than me, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so I was probably, you know. 15, 16 at the time, and they had just graduated high school, that kind of stuff. Anyway, there were a lot of musicians, since I was really into music because of the trying to be an album-oriented rock jock, um, they were, a lot of them were musicians. As a matter of fact, one of the guys, uh, his father created um, uh, Pink Panther, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and DePatty Freeling. So Steve DePatty was a guy that I looked up to, and he was a crazy long and black hair, big bushy mustache, and, you know, great-looking guy, went to the beach all the time, yeah. driving his Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> but he worked for his dad's company playing music, uh-huh. creating these crazy cartoon piano things. I think Mr. Jaws was one of the offshoots of hmm. Patty Freeling. Anyway, so I was very impressed when I'd go down and look at this stuff. And, and then there was another guy who has passed away who was a studio bass musician, and on the CB radio, he was a bass man, and he was just hilarious and cynical and kind of Frank Zappa-ish, but he was a great studio bass player, and he's on some very famous albums, and I went and saw him at the Greek Theater with the band that he was with that opened up for Herbie Hancock, which mm-hmm. is pretty hardcore jazz, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, anyway, so I'd be kind of, I was the little young guy hanging around these guys, and I thought, I would love to play an instrument, and I can't. <laughs> so I said, okay, really, that's when it solidified that I want to be in radio uh-huh. so I can play this kind of, have this kind of, be around music. And then, anyway, and then I ended up going into country radio because I couldn't get hired at a rock uh, radio station. And so when, so you went to community college. I know, I yeah, I'm always a little embarrassed about this Where, uh, where at? Well, okay, well, I'm not embarrassed by community college. I think they're great. Yeah. But I never got a bachelor's degree. I technically don't have a bachelor's degree. Yeah. So here's how my deal went. I came up here... By that time, my parents had, you know, were very elderly and run out of money. I went to a college preparatory private school in California. My brother had just graduated from Gonzaga University. My dad was probably, I'm 18, so he's probably almost 70. Was that the first you'd heard of Spokane? Uh, no, Expo 74 we had come up. And that's when okay. we, and my brother came up to go to Gonzaga at Expo 74. My oh, sister wow. moved up here. My dad hated California. He thought, get north. Yeah. You know, he never did, but we did. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I came up here, worked a year to get my residency up. Now I'm paying for everything. Paid for two years out at Spokane Falls, did their radio program, which they used to have. Got into the gig, you know, doing uh, radio. And then about probably within five years, I thought, I should have a bachelor's. I kind of figured it out. So I went back to community college while I was working full time uh-huh. and finally got my other two-year degree. You know, I, one's an associate student yeah. of applied science, mm-hmm. and this one was the associate of arts, so mm-hmm. that I now would enter college as a junior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And by that time, you know, I let a few years go by, and then that's when I got hired weekends at Cram. Yeah. And then I thought, well, shoot, where am I going to go for meteorology? Eastern didn't have it. WSU didn't have it. Only ones that had it was UW. Well, I'm, almost, I'm 30 years old. I have a family. I've got a full-time job. Yeah. I'm not going to quit my job to go to UW to get the education to come back and get my job back. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So that's when Mississippi State University rolled around yeah. with that long-distance learning program. That was three years. So, And then I did take some classes out at Eastern like uh, from a great instructor out there. And uh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like hydrology and oce- uh, oceanography, that kind of stuff. 
Anyway, so uh, Mississippi State University will give me a Bachelor of Science in Geoscience if I just uh, complete two years of a language. Really? That's I need two years of a foreign language. And I've, I, I don't need it now at this stage of my career, but I tell you, before I die, I will have that degree. Isn't that nuts? What language? A Spanish, probably. Yeah. Because I took three years of Spanish in high school. Yeah. So... You know, that's fun, and you just do it online. I mean, it'll be easy. Yeah, I should have done it. Yeah, and I will do it before I die. That's interesting that that that's the requirement. Well, I mean, because everything else I have done, all the prereqs. Yeah, because I did a ton. Yeah, I already would have entered there as a junior, right? Uh And then I did three years of upper level science classes. Yeah, you know, I did thermodynamics, I did hydrology, I did synoptic forecasting. You know, all the stuff you have to have. Um, The one thing that, that doesn't have that the Bachelor of Science classes have, I didn't have to do a lot of physics or mm-hmm. those t- intense math classes. So, you know, it's really operational meteorology. I wouldn't be able to create a computer model. I could just read them. Yeah. Uh, did, but you took to the science. Like, the science, the, your your path into this was never, like, the science side. No, no, it was never weather a weather nerd. Like but you've taken to it. Like, yeah, I have. Yeah. You, I like natural science. You fancy sciences. yourself as kind of a weather nerd now? A bit. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's always the communication uh, yeah. that I like. I like, you know, I like the, I like, you know, like even when we're out on the set, I like, um, really the best, most fun for me are the crosstalks. Yeah. I have the most fun doing that. Or live shots mm-hmm. and where I can uh, be around people and talk to people. Was How much of a struggle was the science side of it? Um, not really hard academically. I mean, not because it was easy. It was hard. But, I mean, it was just the hours. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of my studying in between shows. So I'd get off the air at that time. We were off the air at 6.30 p.m. And I didn't have to go back on the air until 11 p.m. This was before we had a 10 o'clock show. So I would use all that in-between time to study. Mm-hmm. And when I, even when I was getting my associate's degree at Spokane Falls, I was working 6 to midnight at KDRK as a disc jockey at mm-hmm. that time. It wasn't in management, and I would study in between songs. I shouldn't even tell them that, but I did. I studied. <laughs> I'd have all my books laid out. And, yeah. Yeah, I did a good job. I didn't get fired, you know, yeah. but I would, you know, while I was playing back-to-back, you know, two in a row, whatever, uh, I'd be reading and studying. Yeah. Because I really, I had, you know, I had a family. It wasn't like I was a college kid. I mean, I was, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't living in a dorm having a great time, you know. Uh, what what does that uh, that weekend newscast in 1990 look like compared oh, to God. tonight? Horrible, bad hairstyle. Well, not even uh, not even just you, just the from oh the graphics from oh the graphics yeah. from yeah. the presentation yeah. from what the studio. I'll tell you what, like. I'm skinny. I like that part. <laughs> skinny and young, big full head of hair. It was great. It was great. Now I think it all holds up. I'm proud of everything I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I, just in terms of like the the industry and everything, the way that's changed through the years, and um, you know, it's always been about communicating to the viewer one on one, and not talking to a bunch of they. Mm-hmm. Just it's always a for me, it's always a one on one. I mean, yeah, certain things go in cycles, and the technology changes, and it gets better. We're much better with our forecasting. The computer modeling is amazing. Really? I mean, if you just want to talk about that, yeah. we're, and everyone goes, oh, I wish I had a job where I could be 90% wrong, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay. And you're like, I take it, and I go, okay, here we go. Yeah. So really, the reality is, in a, in a 24-hour forecast, we have about a 90% accuracy. In a 48-hour forecast, it's about 84 85% accuracy. And as you get farther out in that 5 7 uh, day 
it becomes more 50-50. And I do do a 10-day uh-huh. on our 6 on our six o'clock, our 10 o'clock, and our 11 o'clock show. And that, even though I have a real number, that really is just a trend. Sure. So anybody who thinks that day 8 or 9 is going to actually be that exact thing, that's going to always change. But it is what computer modeling is indicating. So... My forecast is more those first three or four days, mm-hmm. and then it becomes more of what the computer model is saying for, like, days uh, five through ten. Because something but, can but, blow in in how many hours? Yeah, notice? I mean, really, weather is, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, think of a river with no banks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can just flow anywhere. Yeah. And so you're just trying to say, we're forecasting storms that aren't even born. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, well, how's this winter going to be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. You know, they'll start asking me that in August, and I'm like, hold on, you know, we don't even know what the sea surface temperatures are like right now, you know. And the whole, that, I guess. Yeah, I'm just trying to get the next 24 hours here, my friend. But, you know, and now it's become, there's a lot more on you. Before I could say it was going to snow tomorrow. Well, now, and, you know, a lot of it's our fault, but some of it's because computer modeling has gotten so good. It's okay, what, in my, I live at this address, Tom, Mm. at what time will it start snowing? How much snow will be on the ground two hours later? Because I've got to leave at that time, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 when is it? And will that snow melt by the time I get home? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I have people actually call me and they'll say, you know, especially uh, little old ladies, and they'll say, uh, I've got snow coming in three to four inches. You know, we'll look for a high of about thirty-four. Yeah. You know, so snow's coming in, and they'll be like, Tom, I have to drive to Pullman. I'll be okay, won't I? And I'm like. Well, I mean, you know, we've got three to four inches of snow. It should start at 6 o'clock. How good of a drive Yeah, like, you? Yeah, what time's your appointment? 11 in the morning. Okay. Well, the snow looks like it's going to fall between, you know, 4 a.m. and, you know, 10. Yeah. You know, that's pretty good. She goes, well, I'll be okay then. Right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, yeah. I hope. I mean, you. I, uh, the best I could say is you won't be stranded. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I can't tell you you're going to be actually okay. What's okay. your definition of okay? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know. I don't mean to gripe about that because I'm not griping, but but everybody knows that yeah. the 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 weather guy or gal is the most scrutinized thing, know, like I in know. all of television. I know. And we should be. I mean, it's true. But I just for the record, I want to say everybody else in TV news, from sports to news, <laughs> tells you what happened. Pretty easy to tell you what happened. Gosh, if we had, to, I got to tell you what's going to. happen. They ask me to predict <laughs> games every March and every week during the NFL, and it's a disaster every right. single time. Yeah, so. the over under line. No, right. no, I'm never, yeah. never been good at that. You want to talk sports? I love sports. Uh, and you're the greatest. I uh, love it. I love this sports team that we have here right now. We got a good group. We have a great group. A very good group. Uh, favorite athlete of all time? Uh, Muhammad Ali. Well, we were talking about this yesterday. Well, and a lot I mean, of growing, my growing yeah. up in this. Well, I mean that's that's the goal. You know, age when you're a Ali. kid, al- uh, athletes are much bigger idols. Yeah. So I'm going to relate to that yeah. when they were. You know, I was a small little white skinny kid. Yeah. You know that just and my idols tended to be these big people, you know, these big, big giants. But I loved the Ollie uh-huh. Frazier era. I mean, just loved it. I was an Ollie guy. My other friends were Frazier. It's funny as I became older and older, uh, how I came around to love Frazier. Yeah. Just because I got his story then. I yeah. understood his story. Um, but, but how could you not love, if you're growing up at that time? Well, at that time Ali, we were battling. Could, well, because, huh? How could you not love Ali? Like, how could you not be drawn in by yeah, him exactly. and his personality? Yeah, you couldn't be And just the, the greatness. Right, yeah. 
but at the same time, it was it was terrible because Frazier during those years, and there's been many stories on yeah. it now, he was made to be made out to be yeah. a chump and a bad guy to his community, which he was not. Mm-hmm. He actually loaned Ali money. Mm-hmm. You know, when Ali got uh, you had to sit out three years. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but it was just a great time. Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that was great. Oh, it was so funny. Dandy Don and, and you know, Howard and Dandy Don going back and forth. But anyway, so it was Ollie, Will Chamberlain, because I was a Los Angeles Laker guy, Jerry West. Mm-hmm. Actually, that 1972, so I'm in what, seventh grade, sixth grade, something like that. Mm-hmm. That 1972 championship team was great. It was Gail Goodrich, Stumpy, six foot, UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Clutch, Jerry West, mm-hmm. six foot three, number forty-four, and then it was Happy Hairston, six foot seven, couldn't make a layup to save his life, <laughs> but man, could that guy rebound, uh-huh. rebound, 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 and then a guy that probably could never play forward now, but Jimmy MacMillan, mm. Jimmy MacMillan was six foot five, and he was always shooting from the corner, always, boom, 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 always go in, yeah. and of course Wilt was in the middle, yeah. and at that time Wilt had lost his pretty much his offensive skills, mm-hmm. but he was still a defensive you know, force yeah. and gem. And and I always kind of always liked those stars that were beginning to fade and age, and yeah. and I wanted them to hang on for a little longer. Yeah. And so anyway, that was a those, and I got to see Wilt play, and I remember walking into the fabulous form. That was a very scary place to drive down to, also, you know, because Inglewood, <laughs> California. My brother was too cheap to pay for parking, so we'd always park off and then have to walk four blocks to mm-hmm. you know the forum. But I mean, we get there late, and I remember walking in as they had these big golden curtains. You you know, and I wasn't raised. I was raised a pretty poor family, so this was a big deal. And the, I remember the big gold curtains would open up as you walk into, you know, uh-huh. you know what I mean. Yeah. From the what am I trying the to concourse. say? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got it just as Wilt was walking out because we had transistor <laughs> radios. Just as Wilt was walking out the center court, putting on that gold headband, uh-huh. and I just I didn't move. I didn't want to find my seat. I didn't want. I just wanted to watch Wilt. You know, just move. And then I later saw him. Uh, at the beach, I was um, at Santa Monica Beach, and I'm walking to get a lemonade or something on the hot sand, pretending like it didn't burn my lily white feet. And uh, and I look over; it's a volleyball court, and there's a you know very large black man laying on the sand, talking to some kids. I mean, you know, girls. Yeah. Uh, and it's Wilt Chamberlain because his favorite sport was volleyball. He loved that more than basketball. And I remember I walked by him about three or four times and he never said a word. I just, he had to know I was this awkward kid with yeah. glasses, you know, looking at him. Like, well, Taylor! <laughs> but I did see him in person. Back before you up. could take out your cell phone and. Right, exactly. It was like all. Well, he, he wasn't getting swarmed? No. I think Such that's why he enjoyed that. Different yeah. Different age. Yeah. yeah. Like those guys can't leave their homes anymore. Yeah. I mean, he like, was a big star, but I think in that place he But Le- was... LeBron couldn't hang out on Venice Beach. No. Right now. No. And you're right. It would all be about selfies, 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 selfies. That's so crazy. Um, so let me, uh, and then, um, and I, I'm really dating myself because I'm going to really grade school time. But I really loved, like, the in football, like Joe Montana, mm-hmm. and I loved. Um, you know, and this was like towards the end of his era too, and I was really young. But Johnny Unitas with mm-hmm. those big high tops, and I loved how the quarterbacks that could throw the ball the best had the least amount of protection. They were such men, <laughs> and like Unitas would have just this single bar yeah. going across his helmet, 
And no padding. N- very little because it would interfere with your arm for but the But even, drawing. I mean, the helmets. Yeah. You put those helmets And I like... just thought, and I even then as a kid, I knew they were just men. Were you affected by Ali's passing last year? Say again? Were you affected? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, absolutely. I was more affected by Wilt dying at an really? early age. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it was a big deal I time. just loved how uh, Ali, I mean, he just was great all his life. And I loved mm-hmm. how he, um, you know, with this terrible suffering, you know, like Pope John. I mean, he just, John, you know, John Paul with that terrible suffering, Ali just had this, and he just was so, um, I don't know, you know, yeah. he just brought people together, even though he basically had lost the ability to speak and that, you know, seeing him at the Olympics mm-hmm. and he just, you know, he just transcended you know, being a boxer. And, and he was still stuff. funny. Like, he still had those moments. To oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who's Who's been your favorite local athlete? Uh, well, I love Johnny Stockton. And I hope this happened because it, it because I'm, it's going to be. It's the truth now. Um, Stockton said something. This is late in the career. And he said something. Guys, I feel bad for Carl because, you know, his name is going to, you know, it seems to always be mentioned along with mine because Stockton Malone. And Carl got very upset about that. And his response was like, that's crap. That's who we are. You know, we're yeah. Stockton Malone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just loved it. It was like a brotherhood thing. Yeah. And, and I love Stockton at his, um, at his acceptance speech, you know, to the Hall of Fame. He goes, look, I was never, I've never been the best player on my team. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's just great. You know, anyway, so I, so I guess locally, um, Olenek is one player that... <laughs> This is really so. God, I hope. Well, he doesn't listen. He, you know, anyway. He might. Uh, okay, I hope he does. <laughs> Kelly, I love you, but here's the deal. I hated him. Really? I hated him. I hate big people because I'm small, short. <laughs> I hate tall people who don't take advantage of their gifts. Uh-huh. And so when he was like, I'm probably going to get the years wrong, but when he was like a freshman or a sophomore, uh-huh. I had no idea he was seven feet because he was so soft. Yeah. And he was always shooting. I always thought he was shooting from the outside. So I thought, this guy is horrible. Yeah. I hate, I just didn't, and I, you but, don't hate a college player, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I just was Frustrating. like, very. And then he sat out that uh-huh. year and he redshirted. And then he, or whatever you call it. Yeah. And then he came back and he had hit the weights mm-hmm. and he somebody had schooled him. Yeah. And he came back and he was He's, he's he is my all-time favorite zag. Really? Yep, my all-time favorite zag and I love that he went from being who are you to yeah. being like and I think there's a lot of reasons. One he was good, uh-huh. really good, but I loved how he changed himself. Yeah. How he did the work. Yeah. And I just think yeah, I love people that I love people who do the work. It's nice when things come easy, but there's something special yeah. and something you can appreciate about somebody that works so, for, especially going the lengths that he did. I mean, he could have yeah. transferred, could have he could have just transferred, sat out, right. not done that work, and gotten right. time somewhere else. But instead, he and got he had and he, and he came and back and he was unbelievable. Yeah. and he made him so good that he was able to go to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. it's He's an unbelievable. And, and what that's done for the program ever since. Right. Been, and I could name you know more. I mean, yeah. I mean you know I love Roni mm-hmm. with all my heart. Yeah. You know I love Gonzaga. Yeah. And I have a son who's like really uh, my older son. He's about five foot five. We did not give him any. <laughs> and I'm taller than that, but we didn't give him any gifts. And he eats, sleeps, bleeds Gonzaga. Yeah. Even though he's an Eastern grad, uh, and he loves the Eagles, go yeah. Eagles. Uh, but he just loves them. And I remember when he was 13 years old, we had a hole in our wall. 
because they lost a game or something, and he just could, he was so upset. You know, we had to have a talk about that afterwards. Of course. But, and he just went to the Final Four yeah. uh, to watch uh, them. He flew down from his job in Denver and, and uh. watched them. But anyway, he loved Roni, and I loved Roni. And, um, you know, it's just so great, and it's such a great, great program. And yeah. Mark Few's such a class act, and, uh-huh. you know, it's just really great. Yeah. It's just so fun to see these kids that are so young um, – just really enjoy themselves, and it's great to see the other kids that support them at the school. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's perfect. No, you know, but it's really that's as close as you can get. I think. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, this Enjoy is the this. great podcast. What are we calling this? Do we know? It's called the press. The press. Yes. Full court press. Uh, just the press. But yeah, I mean, you, you're catching on. I look forward to listening to the podcast. Edit out the bad parts and keep the good parts. We'll do. Well, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much.